You're listening to Car Seat Questions, a podcast for parents of curious kids. I'm Lauren. And I'm Eddie. And if you're anything like us, you either have a kid or you care for a kid with questions. Questions about all sorts of things. And if you have a kid with questions, you yourself probably have questions like, how do I engage my child on hard topics in a way that is honoring to God and digestible for a developing brain and a childlike spirit? If that's you too, we're glad you're here. We don't have all the answers, and we won't pretend like we do, but we are grateful to know some really smart, godly people whose expertise is in the hearts, minds, and souls of little ones growing up in today's world. So, for the next half hour, hop into the passenger seat, buckle your belt, and become childlike with us as the Lord takes us where He wants us to go. Enjoy the show! In this segment, we are going to be focusing on the heart, mind, and soul of our children because we think it's important in order for us to begin to help answer the questions that they have for us as they as they grow up. And today we have a very special guest, Brooke Irvin, uh, who I am blessed to call my sister-in-law. Uh, so Brooke, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do for work? Hi, yeah. Um, well, I am Lauren's sister, <laughs> and it's the best. Um, but I'm also a therapist. I live and work in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I have a master's of science in clinical counseling and I am a licensed professional clinical counselor Um, and I work primarily with trauma and I work with women, adolescents, and kids and families. Um, I'm married to my husband for the last 14 years and we have three kids, nine, six, and four. Great. Thanks. Um, So we want to ask you about, I think we often find uh, well, maybe I'll just speak for myself and not everyone. Um, I often find that my son's emotions are incredibly triggering to me. I um, actually, once I became a mom, I started therapy because I was finding out that I was just like a really angry person. And I would have never categorized myself as an angry person before, but it felt like, and this is probably not the reality, but it felt like becoming a parent made me an angry person. And so why is it that our kids' emotions are so triggering to us? Yeah, I mean, I think this can come from a couple of different places. Um, One is how are we parented? Mm -hmm. How are we responded to when we had emotions or or we're being emotional? Um, And this can come from our culture, our cultural beliefs, Mm -hmm. um, the beliefs that are existing in our families around children you know, whether that's like, oh, they should be seen and not heard or mm-hmm. they should always obey and I'm always in charge and I rule the roost and they comply or even faith environments. And, um, you know, whether that's many different faith environments and how children are to behave in the home and people take all different verses and use them the way that they want to use them. Um, and then just beliefs within the culture that we live in around children and how they're to behave in public or how they're to behave in these different environments. And so all of those have to be looked at. How were we parented and what were the beliefs that we were raised Mm -hmm. with regarding children and where they're supposed to be? Um, And we have to get healthy ourselves before we can help our kids get healthy. Um, If we aren't healthy, we're parenting from our history rather than from where our kids are. Mm. Yeah. Um, And we are projecting our beliefs and our cultures and our norms and our childhood and even our attachment wounds onto our children. Mm. Um, And then I think after that, it comes down to worry and control. Mm. So 
<laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. I like my order. I like yes. my boxes. Stay my pretty boxes. Yes. Um, we feel we worry and feel judged by our kids' actions and reactions. Mm. Um, so when we see their big emotions, oh, am I not doing a good enough job? What am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, or why why will you not let me do what I want to do right now? Mm-hmm. You know. So we we take that and make it personal. Um, if we're in, out in public, well, is someone else going to judge me? Mm. Um, so if my kid is melting down in the middle of Target and screaming, um, even if I'm fully confident that I haven't done anything wrong, a mean side eye, and you're yeah. like, what? Stop! Don't look at me! Yeah. Don't judge me! Stop! You know. Mm-hmm. Um, we fear society and their beliefs and care more about that than we do about nurturing the souls and the needs of our kids. Yeah. And we try to view them as grownups, even though they're not grownups and they don't fit in the grownup world. Yeah. And our, our culture, especially as in the U.S., does not do a good job of recognizing that kids don't fit into grownup culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we ex- we're expecting them to have like adult emotions or adult actions. Yeah. Even though they're not there yet emotionally we want them to behave like children in in boxes so yeah at the playground you can run around and be crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. but like don't do it mm-hmm. in the grocery line or yeah you know don't do it when it's inconvenient for me mm-hmm. um and then sometimes our kids trigger us because we worry about things that we can't control or um we worry about like well, what if there's a diagnosis what if they mm-hmm. grow up and become and so like all of those fears can snowball yeah. into like Oh, if I can't manage this right now, what will it become? Yeah. I guess I, I feel like sometimes if I don't, it's like if I don't deal with that thing that's happening right in that moment, it's just they're never going to get it or they're never going to, like, correct, you know, correct the behavior. Like, they're yep. never going to get it Yeah, when they actually have a whole life to learn a behavior or learn how to manage their emotions, I guess. Yeah. We, um... That control piece is a big piece of it, I feel like. Yeah. You know, it's parenting and, and kids. Like, kids aren't neat and tidy. Mm. And they don't love our tightly packed schedule and getting ready yeah. when we want them to. And, like, out the door in five minutes. And why why aren't you tying your shoes quickly right yeah. now? And um, why did you want to run back upstairs for the thing that you remembered five times when I told you we needed <laughs> to leave it this time? And all yeah. of these things. It's just, you know, we want to live on this, like, rigid clock schedule and get all these things done and live this hurried life. Mm-hmm. And kids aren't wired for that. Do you think that, like... I, f- I think sometimes from me in my brain, I'm like, don't you know that I, like, I know that and I'm trying to get to that, but I have to do all these hundred other things before we can get to that thing that you're yelling at me about. And so if, I think sometimes for me, it feels like, oh, he probably thinks I'm not thinking about him or I'm not caring for him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't you know, I want him to understand that I know and I under like I'm going to care for him. It's just like there's 400 other things that I have to do first. Yeah, and he sees his needs as first and primary. Yeah. And doesn't he, – he can't see all of those big things. He doesn't have the scope or the, the brain yeah. development for it. There's no yeah. way he can see it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if, if Lauren would agree to this, but when, when you become a parent, um, I used to be so annoyed when children would have tantrums in grocery stores. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, this parent needs to, like, take control of their kid. <laughs> now that I have one, um, I'm more like, ah, I feel for you. Like, yeah, I understand right? what you're going yeah. through right now, and, and it's okay, you know. And um, But, again, like – not having a child previously, I was like, well, like, what, what is a parent doing wrong? The yeah. child's acting this way. Right. And they're not doing anything wrong. It's just no. the child cannot, um, they cannot um, 
explain like what's happening in their bodies in terms yeah, of emotions. Exactly. Um, go ahead. No, and I was gonna say in like they're autonomous humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they have their own will and agenda. And you say we need to go to Target to pick up paper towels, and they're like, "But I don't want to. I'm playing, so I'm gonna be really grumpy with you the whole time mm-hmm. because I was having fun, and you swapped my agenda without my consent." Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's so interesting that you mentioned like a lot of it has to do with how we were parented. And so, like, I grew up in a very traditional Hispanic household as a as a male. <laughs> and so there is a lot of uh, pressure right, put on males to they they can't express emotions. Right. They can't cry. They have to be um, the strong person, quote unquote, what strong means. And so before Trey, right, it was like, well, Trey, like, you, you know, he like he can't cry. Right. He can't do this. He can't do that which is like the opposite of what like he needs needs to do, you know, and as Lauren and I have uh, worked uh, through this journey together with emotions, right? It was a total like generational like shift for me. It's like, no, this is actually healthy for him, but it's still triggering to me because Mm -hmm. of how I was raised to deal with my emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, you it was so ingrained in you at such a young age that you shouldn't be doing those things mm-hmm. and even though you know differently and you like cognitively you know it's okay for him to do that it's still like so triggering to our emotions and it's like weird the disconnect that our brains have from our emotions because mm-hmm. like yeah i know that it should be okay for him to do these things but it's so it makes me feel crazy inside when he does mm-hmm. you know lose his mind yeah why do you think that we often talk about like kids emotions are bigger than their bodies but what does that actually mean because i know practically like oh they just have these they just have a lot of emotions but what does it actually look like for their feelings their emotions to be so big well i mean part of that is you know they're born with their emotions they're all Mm. there so you know itty bitty people still have anger and happy and sad and they're, they're all there fully developed and what isn't developed is the ability to regulate those So um, what they have to learn through various stages of growth is how to regulate their brain to think logically, how to be adaptable, how to have emotional skills, how to have relational skills. All of those Mm -hmm. things are there. But at the core, those emotions are still there. Yeah. And they have no ability to go. It's going to be okay. (laughs) They have no ability to tune in and recognize Hey, mom said one minute, and when she says one minute, she means one minute, and she shows up one minute later. Yeah. You know, um, they don't have any framework for that you are regulated, that you can you can help them regulate themselves. They can't see anything outside of their own perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, their emotions, unregulated, any of us completely unregulated would be off the chain. Mm-hmm. It, you know, think about the, t- the time you're walking down the street and someone, you know, elbows you and you're like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it'll be really hard, and I want you to say I'm sorry. And you have yeah. like all these justifying things. Can you imagine if that was unregulated and you didn't like have societal norms or yeah, the ability to calm yourself down and the ability to realize like it's not that big of a deal? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, I'm yeah, pull you back, dude. Exactly. Like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they're at. They're um, they don't know how to regulate their emotions. That part of their brain hasn't developed yet. That they're not logically <clears throat> online. Um, so. They can't think logically. They don't have relational skills, emotional skills, insight, adaptability. Um, 
they're they're not able to tune into their body and that's what we have to teach them so they just have the core raw emotions disconnected from everything Mm -hmm. else how do we teach them to like regulate i know that's like a really huge question like how do we teach them (laughs) to regulate their emotions or like to find constructive ways to let their emotions out i think we model it for them we do Mm -hmm. it with them um we you know so if it's my kid's exploding and they're wanting to run away. Run to me. You're safe. You're safe. Come here. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got you. Let me help you. Like, so I'm teaching you. You come to me and I will hold you and help you calm down. We teach them breathing. We teach mm-hmm. them, you know, hey, it feels really big in here. We identify it for us. So some of it's just, I'm going to identify this emotion. Mm-hmm. You look really angry right now. How about we take some breaths and see if we can calm down? So catching their emotions, identifying them for them and helping them learn, oh, when I feel this way, this is what I can do. Yeah. Um, or you seem really sad right now. Do you need a hug? And so some of that comes really naturally mm-hmm. for us as parents. We're like, I'm going to give you a hug. That seems really natural. Mm-hmm. Or you seem really happy. I'm going to be excited and hug and rejoice with you. Um, it's that it's the negative ones that we have to help learn, yeah. teach them how to regulate mm-hmm. and help them learn. Yeah. I think so like watching you and your kids, I think they're better obviously at taking a deep breath than a Mm two-year-old so like is there a scale of like at this age they can kind of do this type of practice to help themselves do you see that or is it just practicing with them I feel like it's just practicing because you could get a six or eight or ten year old that had never been taught to regulate themselves Mm -hmm. um and and my kids didn't start off doing it yeah you know um the first time I told my child one of my children I won't tattle on them (laughs) but like one of my children that was running off angry actually like run to me instead, run to me. Um, and they ran to me and they hugged me and wrapped their arms around me. And I was like, squeeze me, squeeze me as tight as you mm-hmm. can, squeeze the, all of your big mm-hmm. feelings out. I can hold them. I'm, you're safe. And I'm telling them you're safe. I can hold them. They're okay. They're good here. Mm-hmm. And then I felt my child like breathe and their whole body relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kept prompting it over yeah. and over. And then they learned, oh, and now without even thinking about it, this child runs to me when their feelings are big and they'll squeeze me tight. And for me, that's awesome because it's also a good indicator for me. Oh, their feelings are really big right now. They mm-hmm. don't know how to handle it. They're shutting down. They need help. Mm-hmm. So I've given myself that kind of built in. Yeah. Oh, come to me. You run and throw your arms around me and start squeezing me tight. I'm going to stop and pause and tune in and help you get through this. Versus if you run away, cooking dinner i'm chopping onions like i'm mm-hmm. making all the things and i have to stop and pause and get to a space and then come chase you down and yeah. see what's going on and i'm 1000 mm-hmm. percent able and willing to do that but if you run to me i can help you regulate right here right now we can talk it out in the mm-hmm. middle of whatever we're doing yeah do you do you think do you think children um prefer to be around a certain parent when they are needing to express emotions or they're needing to get stuff out or they tend to act a certain way when a parent is or not around like in terms of uh getting their emotions out do you ever see there's a mm-hmm. a preference to one over the other i think it probably is more which one stops tunes in gives me space regulates with me and so mm-hmm. there it's going to be you know um I mean, very often we see that as mom because we see mom is nurturing or she's there during the different times that are very often like when kids have big feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that that doesn't mean dad can't absolutely step into that role. Yeah, He can step into that role and, and show up and say, hey, like I can help you too, you know, and 
mom's really busy right now and she wants to help you, but I can help you too. And I'm not doing anything. And, you know, I think that's an excellent relationship builder for a dad and child to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it tends to more naturally be mom, but I think that is more just because in most homes, women t- tend to be the more nurturing. Yeah. I'm going to, Hey, I see you're really sad. Or I see that you mm-hmm. took a big sigh or I see that you're walking off angry. I'm going to go and connect to you and bring you back because of how we are wired for relationship and connection mm-hmm. yeah i think we find like and maybe this is kind of where you were, you were going eddie but we find in our home um trey shows a lot of his more n- negative angry emotions at me mm-hmm. um or like when i'm around mm-hmm. like he's a lot more i don't know he's just it's it's harder to get him to comply mm-hmm. with what we're wanting or to like go with what we're trying to do when I'm around it's a lot harder than if it's just Trey and Eddie at home together Mm -hmm. so maybe that's kind of like where you were kind of going with that question and maybe some of that is because you have been a safe place for his negative emotions yeah and he doesn't know how to regulate them yeah Yeah. where oftentimes dads tend to be like nope let's just go play let's go do something else we're just gonna like (laughs) pivot switch gears move on you know yeah and Eddie's really good at turning the turning a situation into something else and like distracting him and not a bad way, like a good way, like finding something else to do yeah. or let's go color or let's go play with trucks or whatever. And he's a lot better at that than I am in those moments. And so maybe that is, but both are necessary. You yeah. Know, we need to identify emotions, but we also need to be able to then go, but I can't wallow in this. I did what I could do. Yeah. I have to move <clears throat> on. I'm doing my best. And you know, so mm-hmm. they need skills, these skills from both of their yeah. parents. You yeah. Know? All right, I can identify my emotion, check in with myself, see how I feel, take some deep breaths, and then go play trucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting when Lauren and I became parents because it was during the height of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so our relationship with Trey is a lot different than a traditional uh, working family's relationship with their children, right? Like uh, we got to stay home with Trey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I, I myself mm-hmm. as a dad have been home with Trey his entire life. Yeah. And a lot of dads cannot say that about uh, their relationship with their children. And so yeah. I think there have been times where like, it's been good to like, see, like if one of us sees the other struggling, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. with Trey, we can just like step in and be like, Hey, like, you know, I got this, you know, he's, he's having you know difficult time. You go and decompress and I'll, you know, handle this. Uh, and again, not a lot of parents mm-hmm. have that. Yeah. Um, because again, they, um, their situation is different. Like when their child was born, and right. so for yeah. us, it's unique because we've both have been home with him equal yeah. his entire life. Yeah. 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 The first entire year of his life, we are both home twenty four seven. Yeah. And then once he turned one, we each started going to the office at separate times. So Eddie's had just as many days alone with Trey as I have. Yeah. Like he's and has had to parent without me in the house too. Yeah, and I just don't think that's like a. I don't think that's a situation most kids have having both parents equally yeah. at home. Yeah. Um, Brooke, in your work with kids in situations that have been traumatic or um, just hard, like maybe a divorce or a loss of a parent, what has been your experience in how kids process such big emotions and new information? Yeah. Um, so when kids experience trauma, there's definitely a slowing down of their emotional development. Mm. Um, they, when you see significant, big, big T, significant Mm -hmm. trauma, then you're going to see emotional immaturity. Um, 
their biological age and their developmental age do not match um, or their emotional age. And they process new information differently. Um, yeah, and sometimes we can see that played out in attachment. So they will disconnect from one parent or disconnect from authority figures or attach differently, um, just their attachment issues. Um, you'll see anxiety. You'll see feelings of instability and security. Um, you'll see acting out in aggression. Mm. Um, like they want control. Yeah. Um, and, and then also that whole, okay, if, if a divorce is chaotic, then they're going to continue creating the chaos because chaos became homeostasis. Mm. Mm. Um, or if they've experienced abuse, then they're going to continue creating chaos because that's how I have control. Mm. And that's what became the norm. And so you have to helping help them like re-regulate, learn how to regulate. And that's where, you know, unfortunately I think parents think, oh, my kids are handling the divorce so well they don't need the therapy. Yeah. And mm. it's like, but they do. They do mm -hmm. need to, to process it out, to have a safe space that is theirs to talk about their feelings because they're scared of hurting mommy's feelings or they're scared of hurting daddy's feelings or they're scared of where they've been abandoned. They need a spot that is just for them. Um, yeah. or, or they think, oh, we had a really bad car accident and, you know, then the kid's scared to get in the car. But, like, they'll be fine. We, they're just going to manhandle them in for a little. No, like, take them and let them play it out. Let them mm -hmm. act it out and talk about it. And have somebody, even at, at a young age, even, you know, just a little bit older than Trey, a kid in play therapy can make so much progress with just understanding and normalizing and putting away those feelings and having a space for them, having a, you know, um, an understanding of mm -hmm. what happened to them so that they can comprehend it and deal with it. So You said that um, there's like a slowing down of emotional maturity. Mm -hmm. So if someone has like big T trauma, mm -hmm. Is that slowing down, like, for the rest of their life? So, like, maybe they're 30, but, like, even then you're kind of like, you seem emotionally immature as a 30-year-old. Or is it, like, just during that time period as they're working through that trauma? I think working through is the key. Like, yeah. Do they work through it? Yeah. Or is was it traumatic and they've never worked through it and they've never dealt with it? And, um, and then other than choosing unhealthy behaviors, and so maybe they seek alternatives mm – -hmm. You know, whether that's lifestyle choices or uh, substances or, you know, you getting into older kids, like how many ways are they going to try to run away from what happened to yeah. them? And if, then you see that the emotional maturity, immaturity continues because when those things come into play, you also see a slowing down of, of cognitive development and mental and emotional development. Um, so I think it depends on is it dealt with, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, if, if kids can get some support and, you know, work through it then yes they will they will catch up and they will get back on track but if they don't get support and then it just kind of snowballs hmm. yeah um again as a child of divorced parents um we like you said we needed some type of control right because we hmm. didn't understand what was going on and we felt like we like there was we had no control over the situation which in reality we didn't but we needed to find some mm -hmm. right just for for our own selves and so uh, it's it's funny, but the way that we would deal with this is that we so when once our parents started to uh, to date again, we would talk about their partners to the other parent in, in <laughs> yeah. a negative way, you know, because like, hey, we had control over this, and uh, you know that's just not the right thing to do. But again, it, uh, our our parents didn't like tap into that with us that that entire yeah. life change for us and our emotional development, you know, that wasn't 
take into consideration as they moved on yeah. with life. You know, they just kind of forgot about like, oh, hey, like, what about, you know, your your kids, your mm-hmm. your, your flesh and blood, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that was so interesting that you you mentioned that kids want a, a, a sense of control because mm-hmm. that, that's exactly, you know, what it was for us as, as kids. You know, again, we were 12 and 9 yeah. when it mm-hmm. happened. And so um, I just find that fascinating. Yeah. yeah. How can we as parents or teachers or caregivers tap tap into the developing emotions of a child and like work with them to you know work through these emotions instead of like pushing against them like always trying to fight their emotions how can we work with them you know I've actually seen you do this even with Trey and you do a really good job of it is you give him choices as much as possible um I sometimes jokingly call it pseudo control I'm like (laughs) you can brush your teeth and then put on your pajamas or put on your pajamas and then brush your teeth you pick, you're in charge, mm-hmm. you're doing these two tasks. But um, giving them that control, allowing them to have a voice, um, recognizing that they are autonomous humans, that um, your goal is to guide and direct them safely towards the Lord mm-hmm. and towards adulthood, like deliver them into adulthood, fully functioning humans. Your job is not to make them love ballet or love basketball or do the sport you did or com- like these any absolutes that you have. Um, we can't, we can't raise our kids with our absolutes. Mm. Um, so kind of evaluating what can I relent on? Mm -hmm. I, um, love viewing my kids as autonomous members of my home. Like it's Mm. not, oh, these are my children that I'm raising into this box to do this certain thing. It's, these are these humans that I get to interact with Mm -hmm. and my job is to safely deliver them into adulthood. Mm. Um, but my job is not to control what they look like as adults. Yeah. Um, so another another um, big question is when a kid has you know something that they want and you have something you need, lay that out for them. So um, with my kids, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll say, how do we work it out? So it's, I want to have this really messy, crumbly snack in the car. <laughs> Mom has said, no more crumbly snacks in the car. How do we work it out? And I make them problem solve. So that mm. goes back to that brain development. They have to figure out how to regulate their emotions, how to figure out what they're feeling, how to stabilize themselves, and and logically come to a conclusion. So anytime that I can teach them logic and teach mm-hmm. them to come to a, like, we're going to meet in the middle on this. And it's amazing what they come up with. It's so <laughs> fun. Um I'm just like, they crack me up. Sometimes it's, well, can I have my crumbly snack as soon as we get back from the yard? <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yes, you can. 100%. Um, well, what if I just pick a snack that's not messy and have water in the car instead? <laughs> yep. Totally done. Like, uh, And when they're first learning to do it, you have to kind of teach them like, hey, you could offer and ask me if we can do this or this or this. But ask me something and teach mm-hmm. them, you know ask me something we can work this out it's not my way or the highway Mm. um and i think that's a big piece of it like whether you're a parent or a teacher or a caregiver don't make it my way or the highway they're an autonomous human with their Mm -hmm. own thoughts and feelings and emotions you wouldn't do that to another adult yeah so why do we do it to our kids yes there's absolutely times that you have to say you may not do that it is not safe Mm -hmm. or i'm sorry we absolutely have to walk out the door right now yeah but in most situations, there's an area that you don't have to have it just your way. You can meet them in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of our things is 
you can wear whatever you want to church except for those ratty old sweatpants. <laughs> or Sorry, I really pants. don't like them. <laughs> you can't wear sweatpants. Um, now, does that mean that like you can wear your track pants? Sure. Do I love it? It doesn't matter if I love mm-hmm. it or not. Like, I would rather you show up to church with a good attitude because you've had some control in your life mm-hmm. than to be mm-hmm. like, oh, now I'm going to die on this hill. That's what they love. Right. They love the track pants. Okay. Okay, Great. fine. Love your track pants. Right. Love your track pants and love Jesus. That's yeah. all. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Who cares? Um, and my kids know. Like, we don't wear sweatpants. Mm-hmm. And we don't wear things, you know, like, as my kids are getting older. Yeah. And like, oh, that is two sizes too small. I'm not wearing that. Yeah. But, like, other than that, I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's been my limit. My limit is so achievable and reasonable that I can then say, would you like to wear your track pants? Would you like to wear your, you could wear a hoodie and jeans. Mm-hmm. Like that's totally okay. Yeah. We're just not going to, this is my one like bare minimum limit. And that's yeah. just to show respect for the place we're going. Or, um, Hey, I'm going to let you pick your tour today. We have to do chores. We have to do but... chores. I'm going to let you pick which one you do. I-, I may even say you have to do these three tours this week. Pick which one you do which day. Today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Yeah. What do you have in your lunch? Okay, we're going to have a vegetable, a fruit, and a protein. Mm-hmm. What do you want in your lunch? Um, yeah, so I just think giving them as much control as possible. And, mm-hmm. and how do we work it out? That's a my favorite question mm-hmm. because they get to pick how they're going to come in line with my one limit and do everything else. Um, yeah, it's who is it? it's Ross Green, the, the explosive child, talks mm-hmm. a lot about like you have plan A which is like my way or the highway. And then plan C is like, I don't care, throw it all to the air. How about plan B, which is I relent a little bit mm-hmm. and let you have some voice and I don't need it my way or the highway as a parent. And I think it's just so helpful. It's just helpful like to, to view them as aut- autonomous humans and to view them as like members of your household mm-hmm. and to say like, it's not my way or the highway. Like I wouldn't do that to another adult. Yeah. Like we have to go to school. We can relent. You know, there's just every, I think every conversation, there's a way that you can relent. Mm-hmm. Or find a choice. Find a choice. Yeah. yeah. Find some control for them. Yeah. And they're going to be more compliant in general when they have control in their own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People rebel when they don't have control. Mm-hmm. I don't like people bossing me around. Yeah. Me neither. Do you ever just like look at your kid and you're like, you're like a whole person? Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever just like look at him and you're like, you're like a little person. And also, like, when I don't control you, I'm like, you're actually really cool. Yeah, you're a cool person. And you probably like did better you. on yourself than I would do trying <laughs> yeah. to make you my way. They, have, they like, do their own little thing. Yeah. They're people. They're hilarious. They are funny. Yeah, funny. and he is more creative than Lauren and I put together. So. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> right? not hard to do with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have yeah. one last question for you. Okay. That's a question we like to ask all of our guests is, what do you want your kids, or any kids in general, to know about their emotions? They're normal. They're normal. Everybody has them. Yeah, we all have them and we all just have to learn how and when to express them. Mm-hmm. But like everything you're feeling is totally normal and and it's and you're allowed to have them. And like emotions aren't sinful. They're not bad. They're not wrong. Our reactions and our choices are mm-hmm. what we have to learn to control. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for being with us and sharing yeah, with us. Thanks for having me. Wisdom with us. And we're sorry that the weather outside is ungodly <laughs> currently. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brooke's yeah, here from Kentucky. My, so, yeah. my warmer weather yeah. back tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Uh, so to end our episodes, we like to do a benediction and a send off. Uh, so to him who is able to do far more than we can understand, may he give us the wisdom to raise our children to first love God above all else and love others as themselves. Go in peace.